0: Hello, listeners, and happy Ides of March, or however you see today. This is Independent Shakespeare Company Ensemble member and Artistic Associate for Social Justice, Kearney Rose Meckerticha. I am thrilled to welcome you all back to ISC's Community Action Update. We have revamped our episodes into a longer, more detailed format that will be released quarterly. This quarter's community action update features four Angelinos doing incredible work in our communities and a special reading by our very own David Melville, which is where we begin today's episode. Home, safety, food, community. These are all basic needs that many of us take for granted. Loss of home and displacement has been part of the human story since the beginning of time. Naturally, The Bard wrote a powerful speech critiquing the harmful rhetoric and behavior targeted at refugees that persists to this day. The play, The Book of Sir Thomas More, was written by a collective of British playwrights in the 1590s, including William Shakespeare. The play is set during the events of the May Day riots of 1517, in which an angry mob destroyed and looted immigrant-owned businesses in London. At the time the play was written, there was a similar sentiment among the English towards Huguenot migrants. While the play remains unfinished in the British Library, it does leave us with a powerful speech believed to be written by Shakespeare. In the speech, Sir Thomas More attempts to stop the xenophobic chaos and harm he is witnessing in his community.
1: Grant them removed, and grant that this your noise hath chid down all the majesty of England, Imagine that you see the wretched strangers, their babies at their backs and their poor luggage, plodding to the ports and coasts for transportation, and that you sit as kings in your desires, authority quite silent by your brawl, and you in rough of your opinions clothed. What had you got? I'll tell you, you had taught how insolence and strong hand should prevail.' how order should be quelled, and by this pattern not one of you should live to be an aged man, for other ruffians, as their fancies wrought, with self-same hands, self-reasons, and self-right, would shark on you, and men like ravenous fishes would feed on one another. Say now the king, should so much come too short of your great trespass, as but to banish you, whither would you go? What country, by the nature of your error, should give you harbour? Go you to France or Flanders, to any German province, to Spain or Portugal? Nay, anywhere that not adheres to England, why, you must needs be strangers. Would you be pleased to find a nation of such barbarous temper that breaking out in hideous violence would not afford you an abode on earth? wet their detested knives against your throats, spurn you like dogs, and like as if that God owed not nor made not you, nor that the claimants were not all appropriate to your comforts, but chartered unto them, what would you think to be thus used? This is the stranger's case, and this your mountainous inhumanity.
0: Like so much of Shakespeare's work, that speech, beautifully performed by David Melville, remains powerful and relevant today. The devastating situation in Ukraine has brought attention to a global refugee crisis that individuals like myself, who are members of the Southwest Asian North African or SWANA community, have been intimately aware of for generations. There are individuals in our community who have been doing their part to support the many refugee families that regularly relocate to Los Angeles. Mary's List is a local organization that has been supporting newly arrived families since 2016. I spoke with founder Mary Whitehill and welcome workshop operator Sara Goma, who has been working with Mary's List since she first moved to the US in 2017, about their work and ways you can support it.
2: My name is Miri Whitehill. I'm the founder and executive director of Miri's List. I live in LA, I have two kids, they're um, six and nine. And um, Miri's List began six years ago, almost six years ago. Um, It was at a time that I was taking a break from my career, um, which was in advertising, and um, totally thought I would be returning to advertising. My kids were, you know, really little, and so I was home with them. had my hands really full with a newborn and a toddler at the time. Um, So I was definitely not looking for like a new job or certainly to like do a complete shift in my career. And um, then I was introduced to a family who had just moved to LA as refugees from Syria. Um, I was introduced to them because my friend who had met them through her church, noticed that their baby was about the same age as mine And so she thought maybe I had like extra stuff that I could give to this family. And that was originally how we met. Um, You know, fast forward, now that was 2016, now it's 2022 and we are a full-fledged 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are a program, a 12-month program that provides support for families who are resettling in the United States as refugees um, in the situation that I, you know, found that family in. Um, when I visited them in their home for the first time and kind of looked around the room and noticed that it was just not set up to be comfortable you know here I am sitting in my living room and you can you know I'm very comfortable here and I noticed their living room had things missing and so did their bathroom and so did their bedrooms and you know that ultimately that meeting um where did the seeds that became this organization addressing a systemic need. And that is families who are resettling as refugees in the United States are often starting out in homes that are not equipped, not set up for their safety and function and comfort. Mm -hmm. Also the system is set up specifically to keep them isolated from their communities And that's done. I think the intention is to set up a system where people aren't reliant on the system, but then the result is that you keep these folks isolated at a systemic level. And so a lot of what we do beyond just kind of like the physical things to get home set up is just providing community support, Mm
3: -hmm. introducing
2: families to people who want to welcome them. And I, uh, will not be going back to advertising. This is my life. And, um, wow. There's 18 people who work at Mary's less now. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: That's, that's incredible. And I just want to thank you so much for your work. Um, especially as someone who is of the SWANA background, it can be very frustrating because oftentimes Our communities have been put into certain situations due to a a lot of various factors and um, uh, imperialist factors that tend to um, lead to uh, us being pushed into being refugees. And it's important the work that you're doing because a lot of refugees from our specific communities in the Swana region tend to be erased or tend to be seen as a problem, as a burden. And these communities, especially, are communities that are very focused on the collective, and sharing space with each other, and being in communion with each other. So coming to the United States, which is I mean, can argue about it, but it's a very individualistic um, society. It, that in and of itself is is a huge adjustment. And the fact that you mentioned that you all are trying to make sure that you are offering community and offering that to these families that are coming over here is huge, because I think um, that is not always something that whether it's... Um, government institutions or other institutions that are trying to do this work are thinking about. And that in and of itself is is very, very critical.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we've actually, we've seen the federal government kind of shift a lot to, in, in its policies towards immigrants and refugees in the last six years since Mary's list. Began. Yeah. And so what we've seen is that regardless of what the federal government's policies are towards immigrants and refugees, there will always be a need for that community support system because everyone needs to know people outside their family. Like it's just like friends, like you need to have friends. It's uh, especially when you're going through trans, a family transition. That's what migration is. And, you know, I, um, I'm just so glad that we get to talk today and like, I can, you know, show you a little bit, um, you know, maybe at some point we can go out and you can meet Sarah. She's um, working back out, out, back in the Welcome shop where she's like packing kits for the 32 families that we enrolled this month. Um, I, I also want to mention that you know, since that meeting with that first family in 2016, we have been able to help 839 more families from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, and about six or seven other countries. And you know, right now we're watching this humanitarian crisis unfold and get worse day by day for Ukrainians. And we're just standing by. We're waiting. You know, this, this system in the United States is overseen and managed by the federal government. And so we have no involvement in how quickly the government moves to step in when there's a humanitarian crisis. And, you know, we, I hope we will have the opportunity to help
0: yeah. And and that's incredible how many families you've been able to help in that amount of time. And you spoke a bit to the communities that you've been able to serve. Um do you have anything else to share as far as um any particular stories that stand out to you, any particular um programs or or things that you've been able to offer during this time or things that you've been able to expand within Mary's list and and communities that you've been able to serve?
2: Yeah, well, the the reality is when we look at the families that we're serving, we're seeing that the vast majority of the people who are coming here are moms and dads with little kids, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of grandmas and grandpas who have come with them, so seniors in the home. Um, We also noticed that the way that the federal government kind of, Evaluates cases and accepts or doesn't accept cases can be based on some factors, including pregnancies, um, children that have um, special needs, um, people that have health, serious health conditions like heart heart condition, and so we're seeing our families are you know more than the general population needing additional support, finding you know ex doctor expert doctors that speak farsi or dari so a mm-hmm. parent can know what's going on for their child and not be leaving appointments guessing it's 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 very difficult because our families are in a lot of times very urgent situations and we'll we'll enroll a family and we'll talk to them and we'll find out that they arrived in August and it's March And mom and dad and grandma and all six kids are still sleeping on the floor. And that's really difficult because, you know, people's comfort. How can we ask someone to learn a new language if their back hurts every day? Like, yeah. How can we, like, tell someone that, like, you have to go back to school and create a new career for yourself so you can be economically contributing if <laughs> they're 40 weeks pregnant and they haven't seen a doctor and they haven't heard from their caseworker, And yeah, that, that, ha- that specific situation, like, like third trimester moms coming here and needing to see a doctor, but the delay of their, their healthcare is like not weeks, but months, it's like, it's really scary. We have grown our team in the last year. We've actually hired four new um, people on our family services team, all of whom are from Afghanistan, all of whom are graduates of our program who are calling these families and talking to them about what the situation is in their house. We have three pillars in the program, survive, hive, and thrive. So which programs the family is going to be engaging in will depend on where they are in in that kind of three pillars. So survive is, is everyone comfortable and functional in the household, making sure that people have their emergency needs met. Hive is imagine just kind of surrounding a family with the things, with programming, with the people that will help them to be working towards their goals. And ultimately what we want is that every family is in thrive. And that is when a family feels safe, they have a sense of uh, community where they know that they can safely lean in when they need support, but also that they feel that they are contributing and that they have something to give towards this, you know, ultimately this is about human connection. Like that's what the whole thing um, it comes down to. And it's just so important. And that human
0: connection is also very healing because these families are coming from just all kinds of trauma and oftentimes trauma that has been happening again and again and again for decades. So coming to a new place, leaving your home, which you did not want to do, leaving your home um, under very extreme and, and oftentimes horrific circumstances, is incredibly traumatic and especially when you're alone. So that, that pillar of hive and making sure that um, people have that community. I know I keep bringing it up, but just speaking from my own community, it's so important and critical. And I think that it's something that's often missed because Mm -hmm. people tend to focus on just base needs Mm -hmm. and they don't think about a more holistic approach.
2: So we have kind of described the community that we've built as a hive for a really long time. It was just like the thing that felt the the rightest (laughs) to be able to describe because it's about these connections. And over the years, and as we have done things like applied for grants from like institutions and like got a 501c3, and we had to kind of like put everything we do on paper and get real scientific about it, we have really been able to drill down on like, In the numbers, what does a hive look like for a family in the first 12 months? And here's what it looks like. On average, a family is gonna have 11 people in their hive. And that is direct relationships with people that they know outside their family. Some of those people are gonna be the very nice people who work at Mary's List, including Sara, who we will meet when we go outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those people will be volunteers. Most of those people will be volunteers. Maybe it is their English tutor who worked with them every week for 12 weeks. Um, That program is called SANA, Serving American Newcomers at Home. It's a virtual Mm -hmm. learning program completely run by trained volunteers who are incredible. And um, kind of through this process over the course of the 12 months, we're expanding the social connections that a family has. And that is ultimately what makes us feel that we... Are safe, having those, that, uh, that support system. And, you know, you mentioned trauma. And like, I think it's like, everything we do has to be trauma informed. Because almost every single person in our program, except for the, the little, the littlest ones, the toddlers who won't necessarily remember, you know, how it how it looked and how it smelled but they'll they'll, they'll remember the stories for sure
3: yeah.
2: our families are also in addition to trauma they're coming with most of them had huge communities in their home country yeah. like cousins aunts uncles like multiple generations of people living in the same roof or in the same neighborhood and houses next to each other mm-hmm. and like there is so much loss, and that we can never replace that, of course, not with eleven people, not with a hundred people, because it's like Grandma is grandma, you know, <laughs> Auntie is Auntie. Yeah. But by being there, by showing up to let our families know that they're not alone and that their needs and well-being are prioritized, and like, Okay, you're like you're having your first baby and you're in a new country. And like if your mom and your sisters were here, they would like throw a baby shower for you. So like we're going to do that because like they would do that. And and it matters. And like a lot of our families, like they stay involved after they graduate. They as volunteers, they come to our events working at Mary's List. Most of our staff are folks who have graduated from the program. Wow, I, that's wonderful
0: because then you're creating more more opportunities and it's great that's because it. you, um, you're you having individuals who share this experience and this worldview with the people that you're serving. And that that is really, really incredible because you're centering the people that you're serving in everything that you're doing.
2: The government system set up to respond for refugees when they get here does not center the families in any, really any way. Like I encourage like everyone who's listening, like if this is an opening for you and you're like, oh my God, I really wanna learn more. Like, first of all, you can go to our website and click learn from the homepage. And like, we have tons of materials for all ages, like including like four-year-olds on how, like on how this works, how it feels for families and how we can help. And like the government system even if we have a federal government that is helping refugees and not against them like our previous our previous president was that system does not address the vast majority of needs that individuals and families have when they get here and it certainly does not center them and like That's where we can, like, really show up for them, Mm -hmm. remind them that, like, maybe what they heard on the news about Americans isn't true, that, like, they have a lot of friends here, even if they don't know them yet.
4: Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, can you, before we head outside, because I'm I'm excited to do that as well, can you share just ways that our listeners can be sure to support your work? What is the best way that people can help?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we exist because of the very generous volunteers. Um, we are mostly a volunteer-run organization. And I mentioned there's 18 people on staff, but for the hundreds of families that we're working with, we have way more people, um, helping as volunteers than are actually able to be employed by Mary's List. So, um, I encourage anyone who wants to get more involved, check out all of the volunteer opportunities. A lot of them are virtual as well. Like you could, um, learn more about that on our website. Um, we are, um, also encouraging people to like, as like a first step when you are, Um, like, I want to take action and I want to help a family. So go to our website and click see the lists. And you can send a housewarming gift directly to a family. And that gift does not come to us and then go to them. It goes directly to the family. You can write a gift message and just use that space. You got like four lines and like, you know, 300 characters, like counteract the effects of a traumatic migration experience with your words in that message. Like it can be five words or 15, but like you can have incredible impact and it's not about like what you send. Like you can send like a pair of socks. It doesn't have to be something, a sofa, although you can also send a sofa, (laughs) but like it really matters. It shows up on their door. And that's another, like, you can do that anytime. Um, That's the list of Mary's list. We, Mm. We make wish lists with our families of the things that they want and we talk to them about what colors they like. And, you know, if it's a mattress, do you prefer more soft or more firm? And, you know, by sending a gift to a housewarming gift to a family, you can kind of be part of making their house into a home.
0: Oh, I love that. And I love that you you take all of their all of their wants and preferences into account, like the colors and, and the softness, because that's critical, right? When you're making a home, it should be a home that is yours that you have ownership of?
2: Sometimes you know I get, I, I'm on a rapid response team, so that means that like I get to like be part of the team that's calling up families and welcoming them and talking to them about what the situation is in their house, so we can, so we can send them the things that they need. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I'll hear people, you know, talking. I'll say like, okay, what color rug do you want for the living room? And then I hear people having a conversation in a language, be in Dari. I don't understand a word. And, and then they respond, white. And I'm like, okay, you guys just talk five minutes and you come back with white? Like, what was the conversation about? <laughs> and we said, we were going back and forth because in, a, in Afghanistan, all of our rugs in our house were white. And we were talking about if we also wanted to have white rugs here. Aww. And we decided that we wanna also have white rugs here. And I was just like, I'm so happy we like took the time to ask because like, I for sure wouldn't have guessed white because like I have kids and like, I would never like think of white as a color that I would ever want on the floor. Right. Well, like When they wake up in the morning and they come out to make their coffee and they can see this white rug that like kind of reminds them of their house in Afghanistan. Like I think that's important. Thank you for
0: that. Thank you for your work. I would love to, to head outside now.
2: Yeah. Let's go say hi to Sarah. She is um, in our welcome workshop, a.k.a. my garage. It's where we store and organize and ship many, many donated supplies from companies to our families and their welcome kits. Hi, Sarah. Do you have a minute to talk to my my friends?
4: Oh
2: my yeah, yeah. Independent Shakespeare Co. Oh, wow. yeah. Can you show us what you're doing? Yes. So do you see the boxes? I mean, so all these yes. are
0: boxes, This, I am basically uh, doing the back and chip for all the welcome families, for the new families, mm-hmm. and also for the emergency applica- application families. Like we have two types of application. One is welcome, new family enrollment, and one emergency that anybody can apply for some emergency help, like diapers, like I'm gonna sure show you the diapers. Yes. Yes,
2: yes, yes. See all the diapers.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh wow. That's you have a lot of supplies in there. I know. The <laughs> listeners, you can't see, but there are a lot of a lot of boxes. Sarah
2: and I know each other from 2017. Yes. Hi. We're in the okay. welcome workshop. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah.
0: So all of this. Is it, yeah. is it all supplies that you typically have? Is it all going to be going out within the next
2: few months and you get new supplies? It's a c- constant cycle of more stuff coming in. And um, this is, you see these pallets over here. That's where we oh, yeah. have stuff come in and then we sort it and there's volunteers that help with that. And we have everything here from diapers and toiletries and face masks and dental hygiene and look teeny tiny <laughs> pink sneakers oh, with Those are so uh, cute. yeah like
0: it's all you know, out of their backyard
2: yes and actually we have an, a similar welcome workshop type space in sacramento and oh, wow.
0: um, that's awesome so we're actually
2: able to get a lot done here um all of the supplies that we send to families I'm going to show you we in this box we keep handwritten welcome cards. Oh, here.
0: that's beautiful.
2: It's another great way to get involved if somebody wants to just like write some cards. cards. Yeah. Yeah, just to make kind of personalize it. Um, yeah. and that's uh the welcome workshop.
0: Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Wow, I'm I'm still glad you were able to take <laughs>
2: And Show me everything. Yeah. We're um, we are busier than ever. We enroll 32 new families each month. Wow. So we need all the
0: participants that we can get. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday to speak with me and to share all of that and to show us all of the work that you're doing at Miri's List. This is really incredible work. And I'm personally just very thankful for individuals like you who have taken it upon yourself to to make these community spaces and to support these refugees who really
2: truly need it. That's so nice, thank you so much. I really appreciate your really kind words and um... I'm, uh, you know, hoping that we can keep in touch. And yeah. uh, let's do a check-in in, you know, another, another, you know, six months or something like that. Let's talk again. And Definitely. this is something that is changing a lot and really fast. So um, we do expect things to shift, you know, once again for refugees um, in the next, you know, in the next few months.
0: Yeah. And I
2: am... Um... I
0: do work with Swana Los Angeles as well, and they do a lot of grassroots support for Mm -hmm. um, refugees and for people who are just on the ground in the Swana region as well. So I definitely will be keeping in touch with you and will be sharing information about the work that you're doing on on my platforms as well, and definitely through ISC. So thank you so much.
2: And um, also to um, follow Mary's List on Instagram, or Facebook, or Twitter, or whatever ones you're into, um, and it's just at Miry's List, M-I-R-Y-S-L-A-S-T.
0: Nice, and we will definitely be posting links to your website, to your social, all of that on iscla.org slash justice, so listeners, please check that out.
2: Thank hey. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice talking to you today.
0: Same here.
2: Thank you.
0: Once again, to support Mary's List, please go to maryslist.org and follow them on social media at Mary's List. You can donate to their rapid response program by going to maryslist.org slash 2022. As someone who works in juvenile camps and halls or youth prisons, as I refer to them, I can say that we are in the midst of a culture shift in our justice system, from one that is centered on punitive measures to holistic alternatives to incarceration. Creative Acts is an organization founded by ISC ensemble member Sabra Williams that seeks to transform urgent social justice issues through the revolutionary power of the arts by healing trauma, building community and power, and centering the voices of those who are or have been incarcerated. Sabra was joined by Major Bunton, who is Director of Programming at Creative Acts. Major also spoke with us about his work as Vice President of Inglewood Wrapping Arms Around the Community, which combats inequality, reduces recidivism, and reconnects the families of those who have been marginalized by poverty, homelessness, addiction, trauma, criminality, and incarceration. Thank you, Sabra and Major, for joining me today on this uh, new Revamped Community Action Update. And I just wanted to start by giving you all the floor to introduce yourselves, maybe talk a little bit about yourselves for our listeners who may not
3: be familiar with you. Thank you. So honored to be here um, and to be asked to participate. I am a very proud member of the Independent Shakespeare Ensemble, and um, I'm an actor and an activist, uh, an immigrant, as you can probably hear, (laughs) Uh, a Black woman, a mother, a partner. And um, yeah, I mean, I I came to this country, actually, it's 20 years ago, which blows my mind. Left everything I knew behind and made a new start. Uh, to shake up our lives, and uh, you know, living in LA has been amazing, and really feel like I've been able to repay my debt of gratitude to this country for letting us in. <laughs> so that's me. I'm going to hand over to my mate Major.
4: Thank you, Sarah. So again, uh, thank you Independence Day spirit. Uh, I've seen a lot of your work. I look forward to looking at some of your work in the future. My name is Major Bunton. I was formerly incarcerated. I kind of went into the the system at the age of 12. Uh, That progressed and I ended up catching a life sentence. Uh, I would say probably 20 years into my life sentence, I started to look at myself and reflect on just some of the things I did in the community. And I wanted to correct those things through several programs. And one particular program came in that was dealing with the power of the arts. I decided to take it, uh, took a chance on what the art was going to give me uh in 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 that process i was able to gain my freedom and today i would say that i never thought i would ever be interested in uh theater or arts i wish they had it had in my community now that i realize how important it is and how powerful it is i realize it changed my life in a tremendous way and so i'm just here to kind of give my my, my perspective of my lived experience of what the art forms did for me how it helped me just kind of re-navigate, you know, just all those negative, you know, aspects that I picked up, you know, through my belief system, you know, growing up in uh, Inglewood, California, you know, which was a rough neighborhood. Uh, I'm there now today to try to, you know, reimagine what Inglewood looks like, you know, for our youth and our kids. And people are coming through that community. I don't want, I I never want no one to experience what I went through. So I think it's important that we we create these type of programs that i'm you know able to be a part of you know creative acts has definitely been something that's dear to my heart and i am willing to you know do this work so those that are trying to do the work themselves can see that it's possible so that's my story and also i'm, I'm a, a director of programs so creative acts so nice. yes that's my story
3: and amazingly, it was Indie Shakes that brought us back together when Major came home mm-hmm. after a 28-year sentence. Mm-hmm. The first time he went to the theater was my first show with Indie Shakes, which was Titus Andronicus. So he got to see That's me right. carving people up and acting like a lunatic.
4: Oh my <laughs> okay. god, that was that was really powerful, right? Because you know, I've never seen you act or play on, you know, just play in your character or stages. I mean, play on stage, but what it was for me was, I was sitting in the audience and I was just watching like this powerful play, and I was watching both of you guys just up there, just really owning, you know, your scenes or just trying to create that that connection with the audience, and it was so beautiful for me to witness for the first time ever being at a any kind of a, a theater program, and so I was really grateful to have an opportunity. A friend asked me. Uh, inviting me I decided to come and surprise you because you you know you didn't really know that I was home yet and oh
3: what it was amazing it was an amazing beautiful moment and also very moving for me because I feel like we held the space for so many years for you all to play when you were in prison and then you as the audience held the space for me to play and it was just a very beautiful exchange
4: yeah and I was so interested in just understanding it from you know from the audience now you know and how it grows you know in in people's hearts and and i was mm-hmm. able to kind of you know witness that whole process so i'm just really grateful to be a part of this community that really used the art you know in a way that ch- transformed lives out here
0: that's right <clears throat> yeah. I I forget I forget that that was the first that was the first show that you saw. I wish I was there to see that because I know that was a doozy. That show I was mm-hmm. nuts. I know you were you were dude, I've I've heard. I've seen the pictures. So <laughs>
3: much blood. So much blood. It was so much fun.
0: Yeah. So ah. kind of speaking to that and speaking to the power of the arts and the power of the arts is transformation and healing. I wondered if you could both speak to just starting off. Creative Acts and your work with Creative Acts and and what brought you to that work?
3: Yes, well, I would say Creative Acts comes out of a 15-year journey of understanding the power of the arts for people who are incarcerated and people who are self-identified non-artists. You know, I come from a culture in Europe where the arts are very centered and supported and all children have access to the arts in public schools, unlike the shock of coming to america where i felt like the arts were very marginalized as being entertainment or for artists and so when i emigrated here i was fortunate enough to find out about the actors gang tim robbins theater company and joined it as an actor and um you know i had done some work in prisons in the uk as uh, with the english shakespeare company and so I was like, oh, the work they do at the Actors Gang would be good (laughs) inside prison. And thus started a 15 year journey when um, I started the prison project and built it with people who are or were incarcerated and teaching artists over the course of 13 years. And then I left, um, I really wanted to expand and deepen the work that I'd been doing there. And so with my friend Cheryl Bonacci from uh, Anti-Recidivism Coalition, We co-founded Creative Acts as a social justice arts organization. Something that doesn't exist, but we're making it. It's a flat organization. We're all paid the same hourly rate. We all have decision-making capabilities. And it's a response to the hierarchy of white supremacy and prisons. Um, And so what we do is we don't put on shows and we don't teach people how to be artists. We use the tools that the arts provide to help people radically reimagine their lives, to heal trauma, and to you know come back from prison with a much bigger advantage than they usually have. And in juvie, in youth prisons in uh, Los Angeles County, we do an arts civic engagement workshop, which Karen is a very treasured. <laughs> teaching artists in and um, yeah, it's amazing the power of the arts right as a vehicle for people to understand the power of organizing civil rights and voting as a tool to make change in their communities so we had a 100% voter turnout in the last election and we're about to go back inside right. and then in the adult prisons we are uh, we've created a virtual reality re-entry program to help people you know if you if you imagine leaving this planet for the last 20, 30 years, and then coming back and being expected to be able to deal with an entirely computerized society. Our folks can't do that. Just like we wouldn't be able to, we've had like a gradual introduction to it. So we're bringing all like daily experiences, like, you know, checking out at a supermarket and, ordering from a menu and going to a big box store and driving through virtual reality. And then we surround it with arts programming to help them deal with the emotional outcomes of being incarcerated and returning. And then the third thing we do is we teach anti-racism through the arts because we realized we've had such a massive impact inside with you know the most racialized place in the world
1: where mm. people...
3: People's lives depend on staying with their own race and seeing that we've been able to break down those barriers through play and the arts. We kind of formalize that into an anti-racism program that has been very successful and very exciting. That's what we do. And Major's the director of programs, so he can he can probably add more. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you know, uh sorry, just listening to you as you were speaking about uh the tools, right? I, I remember when we when I started to kind of engage uh into the program and I started to see how I started to shift the room. Mm-hmm. I noticed because I was able to watch everyone come in and just be fully uh, uh receptive towards giving themselves to the program. And then as time went on and we started to engage in the program, I watched some of the hardest guys on the prison mm-hmm. yard changed their thought process and seeing freedom seeing themselves in a different light and and that was like it was so like it was so uh, interesting in how each each race had their own politics and how they were able to eventually meet up in the in the same place which is to change the narrative of who they were right mm-hmm. but they all had, they all had their own structures of politics and how they wanted to do that but at the end of the day as we continue to learn more about the tools we start to see, I start to see some of the some of my friends speak to me on the yard. Some, I mean, some guys that I never spoke to ever, ever until I got into the program. They started speaking to me. And then I started noticing that the yard started to change because we now here it is now that people saw me engaging in this program with other races, that gave them a dialogue to open up to speak to me. Mm-hmm. So that door opened up, so I was able to speak to these individuals now because I knew more about them because of the, you know, everything that they were committed to in the program, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that this would—I didn't know the power of the art was going to do that. I mm. just—I just knew that I know I wanted change. I know that I wanted it for myself. I didn't know how I was going to get it, and I really—I really didn't know what to expect with the program. But I did believe that I—I did, I did recognize that it was totally different and new. So I think that's what I was really interested in. On top of the teaching artists and their approach and how they made us feel so comfortable, made me feel uh, as made me feel like I was human, made me feel like I didn't have a CDC number, made me feel like I wasn't a part of CDCR. They just made me feel connected to a human being that was in the world.
3: Yeah, and because it's a partnership, it's a two-way street. Right. One of the things I'm sure you've experienced as well, Carini, doing this work uh, is you know, for me, it made me understand the power of the arts and my art as an artist and really profoundly has changed me and brought me so much joy and made me a better artist as well as a better parent and a better person, a better friend.
0: human being, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because when you witness, when you're able to witness the power of the arts and as far as transformation and as far as empowering Mm -hmm. these individuals who in this system are are told that they don't have a voice and whose voices are are stripped away by these institutions. To see that coming back and to see that life coming back and to see what you were speaking to, Major, to see how it creates a ripple effect, right? Mm-hmm. Within the individual and also within the culture of that space and the culture of everyone who is in that space. Because yeah. when we are working in in the arts, all of those differences that we have can sometimes, you know, tend to melt away, and it's easier for us to be empathetic and easier for us to look at the truth in each other. And
3: I'm sure that that is something that that you witnessed as well. Yeah. yeah. And also, one of the things that's so amazing about nearly all arts programming I discovered has about a ten percent reincarceration rate, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the general reincarceration rate is about seventy percent. So if you're talking about public safety and also fiscal responsibility, because it's much, you know, that's right. then we should have the arts first. And also imagine if we had that in the core of the school day, as I'm always told by my inside partners, if I'd have had this at school, I wouldn't be in prison now. well yeah and that's that's one
0: of the things i know you speak to a lot right the fact that they can invest so much money in these in these facilities and in some of the new facilities and what if that money instead was invested in the actual communities where these individuals are coming from how would that affect it how would that stop them from even being in facilities in the first place
4: yeah and you know really what i really got a chance to see uh how the tools were working, you know, when I was in a part of this program, I started to know, notice that it started to change the uh, him against me, like the, the mm. officer against the inmates. You know, they were able to watch some of the plays that we created on the yard inside the, the visiting room. And what that did was, when I saw them just, you know, walking through the prison yard, it almost gave us like a, a an open dialogue to communicate communicate about something that was outside of prison. And it opened up a new dialogue Mm -hmm. for us. So when I saw some correctional officers, they would see me, hey, man, that was a wonderful play you did yesterday. It wasn't about about prison. It wasn't about none of that. It was just about creativity that we had created in that space. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, I started to see more correctional officers share that information with other correctional officers. And so I really believe that it, it, even though it it helped me in the process, it also allowed the correctional officers to see us in a light that they never even thought about even looking at us at you know, in a, in a different light, because we were so vulnerable. And I think that came because we were so vulnerable in the things that we were doing to look for change. Yeah, so it was yeah. it was beautiful. It was definitely beautiful to witness.
0: Yeah, and and major, I I was wondering if you could also speak to going in and and working with Creative Acts and then also starting your own organization, Inglewood, wrapping arms around the community. If you could tell us a little bit about that.
4: Yeah. So I think it was probably about, about a year now, you know, the first time I went in with Creative Acts and also going in with Sobra, you know, never had opportunity to go in with her and work side by side with her. And it was really, it was wonderful uh, uh, process that we had created working on some of the curriculum and just sitting down and really sitting at the board to figure out how do we work, uh, work through the, uh, the tools that we had created. So I went in and I just, I just, I, I really just had fun. I just went in and recognized the, the kids uh, the youngsters, you know, the youths, you know, you know, wh- whoever it was that, that was present, I wanted to show them that the tools that I used when I was inside, you know, they, it helped me change my process in looking at myself in a different light. So Creative Acts created the, uh, the Art Attacker program, the Art Attacks program, which I really love because, because it talks about civic engagement. It teaches kids the importance of voting, <clears throat> why it's so important to vote, how their voice matters, you know, to, especially in today's you know, this generation, because most some of them don't believe their voice matters, but I realize now, today, now that I'm home, I realize that my voice do matter. It plays a role in changing the narrative to our communities, to our kids, to our juvenile halls, you know, to uh upper uh, uh, people that's at the top making all the laws. Mm-hmm. So with that, I would say that, you know, the program really helped me kind of just really, uh, I made amends to myself, a living amends. And it, and that's part of my living demands. I told myself when I was when I was inside that I wanted to make a living demands, and I wanted to do something that was creative mm. to my community. And Acts gave me that platform uh, to go back in and teach the work that was taught to me, and 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 let the kids know that you know we care, you know that we have outlets when you come home that you can call us and we can figure out how to get you set up with a job, whatever it is that we're trying to figure out that we can provide it, you know resources and, and, and partnerships, then we're gonna try that, you know, because we don't wanna leave no one behind. You know, we definitely want everyone to feel uh, wanted. We want them to feel that they're important. And so from that point, uh, you know, I've been working with my nonprofit, which is the New Wrapping Ones Around the Community. We've been doing that for uh, probably about three years now. It started with uh, the president. The president had the idea when we were all incarcerated, he wrote for- Not
3: President Obama. <laughs> okay,
4: no, no, we ain't gonna lie. We're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about the president- definitely the president. not
3: the president after Obama. <laughs> yeah,
4: we're, uh, we're talking about the president of Inglewood Rappin' Around the Community. I'm the vice president of Inglewood Rapping Around the Community. This is a childhood friend of mine that I grew up in this community, Inglewood, California. He wrote out the structure, he wrote out the bylaws, everything And when We decided to make a pack, whoever come home first, we'll start that process mm. he, he came home got the 501 c started i came home four years later jumped uh came aboard and then we had another individual our uh marcus came in our ceo and then we just went full-fledged and mm. here we are now we have over 100 beds for return citizens we provide jobs you know we provide a uh, referral resume building mm. you know you mm. name it we're trying to create a safe haven mm. for anyone who's coming home because I know how difficult that can be when someone comes home and they don't have no one to turn to. You know, so we're, we're, we're with Inglewood wrapping on around the community and Creative Acts and other uh, and other organizations that we're partnership with, like Dream of Hope, we're trying to figure out what does a warm handoff look like? What mm-hmm. does that really mean? Like when we when we when we when we look at the next organization to be a partner, like we really want that to be just the way we take care of people. And how we honor these individuals, we want our partnerships to feel the same way. when we hand something off to the next person, I don't want you to call. I don't want you to call Creative Action and say, "Hey, they told me to come down here." No, I want you to call this individual right here. They're waiting on your call, and they're going to lead you into the, whatever you need. So I think that is for me. I think that's the most important part that I'm able to keep that a man since I've been home, and I love being a part of both of these programs.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you both. Cause I just want to say for for our listeners, if they don't know, you both are two of the busiest people I know who are constantly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I Okay. Well, but you two are very, very busy. So I I appreciate you being here and taking the time out of your day to do this. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to offer you the space to share ways that our listeners can support you and can support your work and your organizations. What are the best ways that people can, can help out?
3: Yeah, okay. Well, I would say um, you could go to creativeacts.us and you could donate to help this work because we, honestly, if you want to be a partner, it's, it's very difficult. This work is very invisible. So we need the support of our community to be able to do it, even, you know, I always find the people who are the most generous are the people who have the least, and particularly (laughs) returning citizens. So if we get like a, you know, $2 donation and they're like, I was formerly incarcerated, that is just, that just gives us wings, right? That's beautiful. Um, you could also join our social media. So you could look at at creative underscore acts and wow. follow us. We're doing very cutting edge, very revolutionary work. And, um, you know, it helps to have that amplified because it's hard for people to understand. Yeah. And then thirdly, I would say the way that you can support creative acts is to support all artists to support, come to independent Shakespeare company, come see our plays donate to Indie Shakes, um, because there's a very, uh, there's synergy between the artists, the teaching artists, the audience, and those most impacted. Mm. So, you know, please amplify the arts. You know, call on your schools, the schools that your kids go to and demand the arts. It's in the education code. And so many schools are not abiding by the education code, which is California law. So every child should have access to the arts. And I would like that to happen so that I don't end up teaching them for the first time the arts when they go inside. So demand it from your schools because you have a right for your children to have arts programming, not as an elective, as Mm -hmm. part of the core of the school day. Every public school should be doing that. Um, Yeah, that's what I would say. Mage, what about you?
4: Yeah, I would say that, uh, first of all, I would like to say independent Shakespeare, thank you so much for even giving us this opportunity to sit down and figure out how other organizations, other people that's in the community can recognize some of the work that we're doing, you know, in my community. Uh, the way to support us is IWATC.org is our, uh, you can go to our website, donate. I think the uh, the most important thing that I really feel is that we're trying to, when we, when these, when these guys or kids come home, in prison you know a lot of them don't have no money some of their families died over you know a period of time since they've been in prison and so Ingle the community want to continue to try to provide a safe haven space uh finances whatever it may be that we can help these individuals because some of them don't have clothes you know it, the list goes on and on I can go on and on about what it is that we can do for our individuals so we have a 100 beds sometimes it's kind of difficult for us to find funding for our participants at our, at our program so we have some funding sometimes we don't so sometimes we just have to allow them to stay there because i'm not we're not going to turn anyone around that's just not what we do you know we're going to figure out how we figure out the funding because at the end of the day we have responsibilities we have properties we have to take care of those things and we have you know we have expenses so if there's anyone out there that really uh, believes in. Just the you know the work that we're doing on the ground. Definitely, when I say on the ground, we're on the ground. We're doing the work. We're out here, That's and right. we've only been out here three and three three and a half years, and we're making way. And I'm really proud of our organization and how we uh, fought through the nonsense. We fought through the bureaucracy, all the stuff that we had to go through. You know, we especially
3: we like- as a formerly incarcerated founders.
4: Mm. I, you know,
3: it's hard enough for people like myself or Karen, It's ridiculous that you have to go through that.
4: Yeah, yeah. definitely. And our whole board—we have our whole board is set with all live experience. We have over a hundred years of live experience on our board, and everyone's committed to reimagining what our community can look like uh, with uh, programs that we uh, provide. And last but not least, I would say that theater programs, the art. It's not seeing anything wood. We need that out there. We need to have programs like that. How is it, why would I not give another young man an opportunity to what I experienced? Like, that is so yeah. that is so wrong to me. I feel like a young man that needs to experience what I experienced, uh, because if it could change someone who grew up in the streets, in the gang lifestyle, drugs, alcohol, you name it, I was fully fledged in the lifestyle. If it could change someone like myself, I don't, I believe, totally believe that it can change our community mm-hmm. when we have people who really believe in, in the vision that we are practicing right now at Inglewood uh, Rackalons Around the Community. So again, thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate this opportunity as well.
3: Thank you. Can I just say one more thing, Karen, That people can Yeah. Do? This is an election year. Mm-hmm. This is a crucial election year. Yeah. If our young people who are incarcerated can vote at 100% not a single person who hears this boring, annoying English voice, not one of you has an excuse not to vote. If they can do it, every one of us can do it. And whatever you vote, obviously, I hope you don't vote for crazy people. And <laughs> I, hope you, uh, I hope you vote for uh, George Gascon in place as the DA because we yes. don't need him. Whatever the uh, uh, trumped up controversies that actually don't exist are, I hope <laughs> you do that. Whatever you do, Use your vote because people are trying to take it away from you, and they will only take it away from you if it's powerful. Your vote is powerful. Please vote. Yes.
4: And I would, say- like to, I would like to, Ernie, listen, I would like to say thank you for even having an opportunity. Yes. To next to you, side by side, watch the way you take that room. Take yes, Ernie. The- and uh, make these kids engage, make them really take in what we're there for, you know, I watch you and you do it with so much grace and you do it with this elegant approach. You know, you don't you don't you know, you have this tone that is perfect for the room to engage. And that is that's is, that is a practice. That's just you can't come on. Can't nobody give you that. Yeah. You know? so it's a practice. So I, I, I'm just letting you know that I acknowledge that in that space that we share. And I want you to know that continue to do the work that you're doing because it's recognized.
3: Yeah, Karen Ian, we went through the fire in the compound in yeah. <laughs> Silmar. <not. laughs> we we us battled through. But you know what? I feel like like you were like you just you just lit up the room and you gave the kids so much space and joy that even though there was only two of us, we were able to really wrangle every yeah. possible room. <laughs>
4: Yeah, and we uh, also we also fought over you. We was trying, to, we was doing our our, our teaching. Uh, we also was we was doing our teaching pool, and I was like, no, no. we was, was like, like this
3: I'm this having Karen A.
4: <laughs> and I was like, all right, go ahead.
3: Oh no! Oh, Lord,
0: y'all are okay. That's enough talking about. Thank you, I I appreciate it, and and working with you all is is one of the. The greatest blessings of my life truly to have been able to be a part of this teaching team with creative acts and and to be able to have been back in person or in person for the first time for me uh this past fall and for us to be going back it's it's indescribable so i'm looking forward to so much more with the both of you and and thank you for being here again i appreciate it um there will be resources that we will be sharing. All of the links will be on the iscla.org slash justice web page. So definitely take a look at that. Thank, thank you, Karania.
3: Thank you for all the invisible work you do at Indie Shakes that people might not know about, but you have really pushed the culture over there. So thank you.
0: Any conversation I have with Sabra and Major inspires me and fills my spirit. To support Creative Acts, go to creativeacts.us and follow them on social media at creative underscore acts. Support Inglewood Wrapping Arms around the community by going to iwatc.org and follow them at Inglewood underscore wrapping underscore arms. Thank you so much for listening to this quarter's Community Action Update. To see ISC social justice initiatives, head to iscla.org justice, where you can also find links and information about Mary's List, Creative Acts, and Inglewood Wrapping Arms around the community. Be sure to also follow us on social media at Indie Shakes. Are there individuals, organizations, or causes in our community you want featured on our community action update in June? Email me, Karenny at iscla.org, and that's Karenie, C-A-R-E-N-E at iscla.org, and I will add it to my list. You have the opportunity to stream iscla live at the Porpentine for free weekends at 7 30 p.m through March 20th. ISC will also be back in the park this summer so stay tuned for a special announcement. Until we share space again please stay safe my fellow Angelina.